It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast with your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. Take a seat at the table and join the conversation as David, Kevin, and their guests discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology to song selection. Feel free to poke fun at David's hair, talk football, or bring up other topics that have nothing to do with worship. We want to add your voice to the conversation. Find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash WMCatalyst. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst. Or just head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop a note in the comments section of any episode. And now, it's time for the show. Well, hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey. Hey. It's, it's glad to have Greetings. you. Greetings. It's good Welcome. that you're here. We appreciate you being Bonjour. here. Bonjour. Hey, why don't you talk for a Hola. second? I need to pull something up. <laughs> Hola, como esta? Bien. Uh, donde, donde el baño? Um... Uh, uh, que pasa, uh, que lo que, uh, yeah, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah, this might be one of our oddest introductory beginnings to an episode. Yeah, no, we've had way weirder ones, we've had very strange ones. No, I mean, you know, I, um, been to the Dominican Republic, uh, three times where they speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but, uh, I have, I've, I've learned a few of those words. And here's the thing, I'm an all-in kind of guy, right? So when I when I get into that culture, I just start speaking Spanish like like I own it, you know? I speak it like I mean it, and everyone laughs at me, but it's cool. Like, at least I try. Um, so, hello. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to pull something up because something actually happened, which, which is I didn't expect to happen, and I need to make sure that we... Uh, give give the credit here where credit is due. Wow, something um, happened. Yeah, I I don't even know what this is. Yeah, I, no, you don't. I, I know you, I know you don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> I <laughs> I feel no. both anxious and excited no, all so at the same you, time. You remember a few episodes ago, we kind of put out there. Um, if anyone still listens to this podcast, text in to three six zero eight one eight four three three nine. Remember right, that we right, said that, and, right? And we thought, like, yeah, I wonder if anyone's someone texted. Someone still listens Whoa! to the podcast. <laughs> Actually, I think a lot of people listen. Yeah. I just don't think that they take yeah. the time to. All right, uh, so this guy, his name is David. Whoa, like Which, you? Like people are gonna think I'm making this up? Are, but, you, yeah. are you sure it wasn't you? <laughs> it's like I'm talking to myself. I sent text to myself just you to make myself yourself. feel good, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, no, uh, I don't know if I didn't get his permission to say his name, but David Chase from uh, you're going to say it anyway. Yeah, yeah, worship pastor at Grace Point Church of the Nazarene in Indianapolis. Wow, uh, texted in and thank and you, just, David. Just got this got this message. This is David. I'm still listening. I was like, thank you. Yay! And I was like, yeah. So, but anyway, I wanted to give a shout out because shout out. he he took the. Took the effort, went the extra mile to text in and say he was still listening. So, so for anyone who's listening right now, uh, text us in. We'll give you a shout out. Yeah. At uh, 360- 818-4339. 818-4339. Three, I had a jingle four, all three, you know, long, three, long, long time ago. You know, and I actually- 360-818-4339. Three, three, yeah, I actually I actually stole that jingle when I was teaching my girls our phone number. <laughs> um because I found I mean you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Like when you learn something through song, you remember it. So both our address and our phone number 
have a little jingle to nice. it, you know. So I, nice. I did it, you know, three six zero seven one three two four three two. I probably stole it from somewhere else, so it's it's not mine. Okay, anyway, it's not so. your jingle. Yeah. Well, I I stole it from you. And my girls, anytime this day, like if they need to call me or whatever, or uh, you know, I'll I'll randomly quiz them. Hey, girls, what's my number? And they'll they'll just sing. They'll sing the song. Yeah, they'll sing it. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So uh, anyway, there we are. Uh, but uh, he's in Indianapolis, my uh, my kind of my old stomping grounds yeah, there. Man. And, uh, at the Wesleyan, uh, uh, yeah. not the church, the uh, school. Uh, Indiana School yeah. of uh, wait, Indiana wait. Wesleyan University. Indiana, yeah, I'm like yeah. Indiana yeah. School of West. Indiana, <laughs> yeah, some, <laughs> something I don't know, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, glad you are listening. Thank you, David, for the shout out. And uh, for anyone else who's listening, we are glad that you've joined us again for another another episode today of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Yeah. Before we jump into the episode, just kind of wanted to share, you know, one of the joys we have as, as pastors is when our kids, you know, take on their own faith, right? Oh, and man, I got to so baptize exciting. My, my son, Henry, baptized Hannah last year, my oldest, That's and cool. this year got to baptize Henry and... Yeah, man, yeah. that like I saw that picture, you know, on Facebook, and I was just like, that is so special. I mean, um, neither of my girls have have been baptized, and uh, you know, Callie, she's she's actually talked and and you know talked about it for a while, but we haven't had a baptistry for so long. It's been mm-hmm. stuck in the other building that we've been remodeling, right. which thankfully is is done. Um, so I'm hoping that we're gonna have a like a baptism mm-hmm. in the near future. And that's always been one of my dreams. Yeah. Like one of my goals as a dad uh, has been to be able to baptize, you know, my children. Right. And so, yeah, seeing that picture and I know um, uh, like Denise Espasanin was mm-hmm. there and uh, and he, I know that must have been just a really yeah. special moment. Well, it's and it's really cool. It's one of the cool things about the digital age we live in. Right. Is that, you know, it's going public with your faith. And so we had, you know, people in attendance there at the church, but then Becky, my wife posted a video of it on Facebook and, you know, within 24 hours, there were over 600 people that had watched this video. Wow. Like, it's like, it's public now, it's, buddy. Yeah. And yeah. We, you know, we kind of shared gotta, that with them, you know, it. it's like, you know, people know. So, you know, this is, this is your, your relationship. And so you got to follow him now with your life because people are expecting it. That's and, cool. You know, and, you know, I'm even thinking, I mean, in the years to come, you know, as he becomes a teenager you know, I mean, he gets his own Facebook account or, you know, whatever the cool thing is five or 10 years from now, but whatever, like, you know, to be able to take him kind of post, you know, uh, or retroactive or post active or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for it to kind of show up on, on his memory, you know, his little memory thing, you know, three years ago today, uh, you know, five years ago today, 10 mm-hmm. years ago today. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to see that I think yep. is a special deal. Yeah. That's cool. So, but it, it does remind me, you know, it's the most important ministry we have, mm. right? You know, yeah, our children. As, as our families, and, and that's biblical, that's in the Bible. It's not just something I'm throwing out there, but mm. um, it's easy to get sidetracked in ministry and just kind of get your, get your life out of balance and you're pouring all of your effort and all your best into the ministry you're doing. And, uh, but, but the most important thing we're ever going to do is, is our family. Mm. And um, it'd be a real shame to, to pour your life into other, ministry of some kind yeah, and then have people. your family just, you know, disintegrate because you weren't pouring into that ministry like you should. So good, you know, just good reminder for us as, as we serve to make sure that our, we're pouring our, our heart and soul into our family first yeah. and, uh, and ministry second. But anyway, we've got an interview for you today, uh, with Lancelot Schaubert. Yeah. And, and in the, uh, in the opening 
well, in the opening 30 seconds, we say his last name like 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> but you so, have to listen to the interview to find out what his name means. Right. Yeah, we're not going to tell you now. No spoilers. So, uh, so here's that interview, and you can find out a little bit more about Lancelot. Well, we are here with Lancelot Chaubert. Chaubert. This is just a fun way. Chaubert. And uh, like, like he, like he was telling us before we got on, you know, some people it looks like Chaubert. Chaubert. But uh, it's a Chaubert. Chaubert. And, uh, just, just, just go around saying that the rest of your day after you hear this podcast, and just like throw it into conversation. Chaubert. <laughs> and just uh, wow, work that in. Anyway, well, what? what yet, so. <laughs> what was that? I said I haven't told you what the last name means yet, so Uh-oh. just be oh, careful. No. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Oh no, I'm gonna wait till you say it a little while. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just Lancelot a word for cobbler like shoemaker. That's all. It is. Oh, okay. uh, oh, cool. Well, Lancelot, welcome to um, our show. Uh, if you could just kind of, as we open up, maybe introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, who you are, your background, uh, what you're kind of involved with, um, and all of that. Yeah, so um, I am an author and a producer. I'm living in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I'm also a, a, an ordained uh, pastor uh, through the Restoration Church, uh, Christian Churches and Churches of Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I, I write a lot of short-form work. I've sold uh, my work to McSweeney's and the uh, Poker Pros World Series Edition, the Poets Market that comes out every year, Writer's Digest. Um, and then I've also made some mixed media work with um, photo novels, uh, some short film. Uh, we're looking at potentially doing a documentary in Alaska and some other things. So, um, so I, I tend to take a very active role in creating culture and think of uh, my role as a pastor more along the lines of St. Francis or uh, Jesus or, the, or kind of the itinerant prophet ministry where you're making things uh, that directly challenge the symbols of the culture you're living in. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, you don't equate yourself with too many high names there, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, just oh, no, I, I want to make very clear that I'm the schmuck on the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to St. Francis and all those others, you're, you're kind of down at the bottom <laughs> there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, no, I don't even know if I'm worthy to talk to the guy who unties the sandals of the guy kind of thing, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, pipers at the under end, other end of the... Right. Well, today uh, we're going to kind of talk with you about the idea of making a Jesus culture. And uh, but before we do that, right off the top, uh, would you share with with us and with our listeners where we can go and find out more information about you and your work and what you've got going on? And maybe they can pull that up in front of them sure. while we're talking. Sure. Yeah. So if you go to uh, uh, LanceShobert.org, I'm going to spell that because on audio that's not going to be easy. But it's L-A-N-C-E, uh, as in Lancelot or Spear, uh, and then Schaubert or Schaubert is uh, dot org. That's my writing site. Uh, and then our forwarding agency is ACT International, that's actinternational.org. And uh, the president of that is Dr. Byron Spradlin. Uh, he's with the Lausanne Arts Conference, and we're kind of partnering with him uh, or with him in uh, Garden City um later on i think garden city's connected to you guys in some capacity right yep. yeah yeah we we've okay. been partnering with them so cool so we got lanceshobert.org and we got actinternational.org as well yeah. and uh so as you're listening uh for our listeners right now uh maybe pull that up and 
be checking out some of the uh, the things on on there while we're talking to Lancelot. Yeah, sure. So, uh, if you will, just kind of give us an overview. What do you mean by making a Jesus culture? Yeah. So we uh, and feel free to cut me off to clarify or whatever. You know, I don't. I don't want to get on a weird track or ramble. But um, <laughs> yeah, feel free to interject. Uh, so you know, we we get we got into this weird thing as evangelicals where after we got into the age of the order uh, and into the age of like street and and field evangelism where we like dunk them and punk them is what my friend josh willis calls it like dunk where we them think and punk them <laughs> yeah we think the whole point of the christian life is like baptism or pray this prayer or like conversion and like making that happen um which is really weird like there's even a book out there entitled um one thing you can't do in heaven and it means evangelism uh, and I think that's ridiculous because we right now are kind of preaching to each other, right? We're like spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Mm -hmm. All three of us, I'm assuming, uh, believe in and follow Jesus, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. We're like evangelizing each other right now, and it's making us better people. So I don't even I don't even believe that. That's weird. And what what that kept us from doing is seeing this rich multi thousand year history in which Christians invaded every sector of society and built up the city in which they lived in and helped it thrive. Um, you know, I'm connected a, a little bit with Redeemer Presbyterian here in New York. Uh, I'm not a Presbyterian, um, but they have a very robust idea of Jeremiah 29, where you seek the good and the peace and the prosperity of the city in which you find yourself. And as it prospers, or as you prosper, it will prosper. And as, as it, it prospers, uh, or as you prosper, it will as well. Um, so I, I think that way. I think, you know, there's a reason some of the best architecture in Europe was built by Dominicans. Uh, there's a reason the best, uh, you know, stained glass was, was made by Christians. There's a reason that Michelangelo and Raphael deferred to preachers who mentored them. Um, you know, you go, you go through the annals of history, and some of the greatest culture we have was made by Christians over and over and over again. And we've lost that because— we think that's like a lesser thing to do uh, because it's not evangelistic. And I, and I, I call BS on that. I, I don't I think that's legitimate at all. Huh. Now, talk about uh, – you talked about you know, arts and writing and some of the stuff that you do. How, how do you, you – know, this big picture of uh, making a Jesus culture, how do you intertwine that and the kingdom of God into the art that you do and the writing that you do? Sure. So, um, like me personally, or does one? Uh, well, let's go both. What do you do personally, and then how do we as Christians, as we, you know, because we're all created in God's image, we're creative people, you know, whether or not you think you're an artist, I mean, you know, David and I, we've talked about that any number of times, that sure. because we're created in God's image, we're creative beings. So, how do we as Christians intertwine the kingdom into our art and how do you personally, uh, Lancelot, how do you do it? Yeah, so uh, I think the first thing we start off with is, you know, and I, it's it's entirely possible someone stumble across this podcast that isn't a Christian. So even even to be honest, uh, to, to all human beings here, not just Christians, when we make art, what we are doing is um, we are first demonstrating and then proving a point without explaining it. Mm. 
that's Robert McGee's definition of story, but it's it's what all art does. The painting behind me uh, is 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 um, it's demonstrating a point and proving it without explaining it. Um, now, if I give you some of the backstory, I can tell you that my favorite colors are blue and green, and my wife's favorite colors are orange and some of them. So, you know, to see even just her colors in the background and mine in the foreground, that tells you pretty much all you need to know. About <laughs> yeah, we kind of figured that out already, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> well, it invites kidding. a dialogue, right? So it invites, it, it invites um, you know, a, a, it, it, it's, it's Mako, uh, Makoto Fujimura's book, Culture Care. His word is generative. It generates multiple uh, conversations and, and sermons to come out of it rather than ending the conversation. Um, so, um, anyway, all, all of that to say all art does this, it, it first demonstrates and then proves the point without explaining it. So as Christians, uh, we are just, you know, doing the same thing that all other artists are doing, but applying gospel work to it. So C.S. Lewis used the phrase smuggling the gospel mm. when he talked about, Narnia and 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 Tolkien had some of the same ideas, but he talked about it in terms of secondary belief when he wrote uh, the Lord of the Rings. He wanted to, as a sub creator, made in the image of a creator, he wanted to make a secondary world that invited it invited secondary faith in this world in the same way that the real world invites faith in its author. Um, so I think of it that way. You know, we are we are making robust worlds that are having deep points that it's making and proving without ever explaining what we're doing. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, you you mentioned before we started that you're getting ready to go speak and kind of share some information. Sure. This podcast will air after that. So it's not like they're spoiling anything. No if you kind of delve into that a little bit, but would cool. you just uh, kind of share some of that with us as we, as we continue on in our discussion? Yeah, Neo dies, and uh, I think. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, it's it's to high school students, and I'm trying to figure out how to how to, you know, I don't want to say dumb it down, but dumb it down. <laughs> so maybe you guys can help me spitball off this a little bit. But um, here we'll yeah. we'll be like your uh, test audience, so we'll pretend that we're you know still in high school. Yeah, but I need to get out my okay. phone and like yeah, be tweeting about it yeah. while just okay. kind of yes. Snapchatting it yeah, while Snapchat it's happening. Snapchat and Instagram and all that. Because yes. th this is kind of what yeah, this is it. Like the whole time it's like do do do. Okay. Well, we can't have both of you. Just one of you completely ignore me, and then the other one needs to have like cardstock and actually do like the French judge in the Olympics. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> giving me 0.5 now That's just <laughs> failing already. Right. Um, okay. So yeah. So the, the whole point is on making Jesus culture and that's going to be, it's going to be hard to define up front because we're doing, I mean, we have a Herculean task here. Uh, if you think about it, because only since recent history and theology, has it been like made okay for us to make culture again? So once we get into the how-to, we are – it's like Josiah rediscovering the wall. Yeah. Like we're talking about since like the Renaissance, which is the end of the Christian era, uh, St. Francis, the end of the Crusades there, like we really haven't done this. We, we put all of our stock into science uh, and reason and, and oration, which aren't bad things. They're just insufficient things. Um, so just keep that in mind. This is going to take multiple, multiple people talking about this. 
uh, for many years practicing it. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think one of the things that involves is building sacred space. Um, and to, to be clear, uh, sacred space is uh, we want to we want to make places where people will encounter God in worship. Uh, and this is a worship podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, for worship so, leaders and worship team members, and also just leaders in the church and ministry. Okay, great. So yeah, so we could focus on this the whole time if we wanted to, uh, but build sacred space where people will encounter God in worship, even if they didn't know they were going to a worship service. Um, and this is one of those smuggling the gospel things. Uh, there's a there's a friend of mine. I don't know. If, is there a way to share screen on here? I wish I could share my screen. Um, who her name's Leslie Sutton. And she um, works in uh, Manchester, England, and she does this thing called Passion Art, where in Manchester, they have set up these trails in downtown all over the city center uh, to make pop-up exhibitions that foster conversations between spirituality, the arts, and community. So um, they, they basically think of it using the, the Christian calendar as a structure for a citywide art walk in a city as big as Manchester. So like you had one guy named Andy that was connected to them, Andy Frost, brilliant dude, super humble. He threw a giant Pentecost festival, uh, to celebrate the birthday of the church. So all the churches got together and they just said, happy birthday church. And they just threw this huge birthday party. And at each station, it learned a little bit more about like, what is the church? Where did it come from? What's, and it was just basically they somehow made church history cool, which yeah. we can't even do in Bible college. You know, like that's. <laughs> I remember you know taking I mean? church history in Bible college. Oh it was not, it was not cool at that time. <laughs> it was God hard. I love those guys, but yeah, it, you know, it's bad when you can't make history interesting. You know, right. um, so and, and I'm sorry to my former church history teachers, but it it's cool to be able to think of it like a birthday party. Uh, and and Leslie herself, for one of the exhibits, she hand cut twenty thousand paper circles in the exact size and shape of the bread of the host in the Catholic Eucharist. Wow! And then she hung them from strings like rain in the middle of this abandoned cathedral in downtown Manchester, and she called it manna. Mm. And it looks it looks like bread raining down from heaven. It's the coolest thing. Mm. Uh, but that was just like one of the exhibits. Uh, in, a, in another one during their Linton uh, idea of be still and know, they had this Welsh artist, Adam Buick. He made an exhibit entitled Veneration Bell, where he hand threw all of these ceramic church bells, and then he suspended them in sea caves around the coast of Pembrokeshire, off the western coast of Wales. I'm, I'm going to see if I can pull up a link to this. Uh, it's, it's, it's really beautiful stuff. Um, that I want you guys to be able to see, but it, it's basically, there's just these images of these bells hanging in these coves and you're just looking right out to the open ocean. Um, here we go. Okay. Is there, is there, a, yeah, is there a, uh, there's a chat window somewhere, isn't there? There we go. Chat. All right, check that out. It's the it's the bottom right, um, it's the bottom right hand corner. These beautiful ceramic bells, and they would just hang out 
and the water, especially when the, when the tide came in and the water would cool down, these, these like church bells would be hanging in the middle of these caves. And then, then just them recording people coming through Manchester talking about what does it mean to be still and know that I am God? Like, what does that mean to you? And then them reflecting on this, uh, they're just creating sacred space where like common people can worship without calling it that or thinking of it like a church service. Um, mm. uh, so I think, I think that's a piece of it. Um, you know, there's another, uh, another guy, his name is Andy Al. Um, he's, he's with, uh, uh, a movement. He does like movement worship. He's ethnically Chinese born in, in, uh, Brighton in England. This guy, oh my goodness. He, he believes that we're really good at worshiping God with our mind and attending a Presbyterian church. I can tell you that's very true. Mm. Uh, and then we're good at worshiping God with our heart, like Hillsong, those sorts of things. But we're really bad, really bad at worshiping God with our bodies. So he decided to start uh, liberating people in just the marketplace to be able to express worship with their bodies. Um, he had uh, one of these people, um, he had a dream that she wanted to like fly um, and he didn't know what to do with this, but, but he went and started doing one of these things, teaching people how to worship with their body in the middle of the marketplace. And he saw the same girl in his dream and he said, come here, come here. And he brought all his people together and they just lifted her up and told her to extend her arms. And they just started dancing her around this large open space with her arms extended. And she just started crying and laughing at the same time, um, because she had just told God that night that she wanted to to learn to fly and feel free and not guilty and shamed anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, here's a dancer who is teaching this girl to worship freely with God simply by lifting her up and, and taking her through, you know, so it's creating this sacred space for her to use her body and worship in a way that the culture doesn't allow in a way that the church culture doesn't allow. Um, you know, a similar thing he did, he went and, um, um, his, I think his father died, uh, back in China and his brother's been a lifelong atheist. Um, but sometimes God will just tell him to move. And he went, he went to this funeral and he wasn't trying to be preachy or anything. He wanted to give people space to grieve. He was just sitting in the back. Everyone was sharing different things during the eulogy, like you do in a funeral. And God told him, Andy, get up and move. And he said, no, like these are atheists. They're my family. I'm not going to make this experience of my, my father's funeral weird for them. Andy, get up and move now. No, Andy, get up and move. And so he got up and he went to the front and he, and he did a movement and, and he's like, okay, maybe I'm just going to sit down and just kind of like moved or something. And, and then another God gave him another movement. And so he moved again and this went on for like 30 minutes. And then he just went and sat down and like people, like some of the people that got really emotional and were crying and the funeral went on then left. And his atheist brother came up to him afterwards and he said, do you know what you just did? And he said, no, I don't know what I just did. I, I was just, I was just moving. He says, I, I, you know that I don't believe in your stuff. Right. And he's, and he's like, yeah, of course. What did I just do? He said, we have practiced those exact same movements in Tai Chi for the last two years. Mm. Exactly what you did. And I know you don't know Tai Chi. 
Um, so it was almost like this testimony to his brother that God, that God saw him, God knew him, um, where these like miraculous things are happening just through dance, um, you know, and creating sacred space there. So I, you know, it, there's a yeah. lot of things to mean, but it's, it's creating these spaces where worship can happen in the marketplace, uh, for one, um, and, and drawing people into that rather than thinking of the church in some attractive model, like think of it like guerrilla worship, where you're actually taking the worship to the people in ways, um, that they wouldn't expect. Um, right. So when we talk about making a Jesus culture, you know, it goes beyond just kind of the, it goes beyond just the, the writing. It goes beyond, I mean, you're talking about creating spaces, this idea of guerrilla worship, um, sure. you know, so, and, and we, we, uh, we looked at that, that picture that Linky sent that big bell. So for those of our listeners, uh, just this gigantic bell that they kind of hung, uh, you know, from this little rock thing overlooking this, uh, this, this body of water opening very cool and and all that so you know we got time for uh probably one more question here um you know i'm curious as you you know as you think about uh these these different ways you know to basically make a jesus culture you know the different spaces and different ways of engaging the culture uh what are some ways that that we and, and when i say we I'm talking, uh, you know, uh, believers and evangelicals and, and Christians and whatnot. How how can we be more holistic in uh, equipping people to do these kind of things? You know, because what you're talking about is, you know, it's a cool concept, but probably something you said by your own admission that isn't very normal uh, in Christian community to have these spaces. You know, so how do we as leaders kind of help train and equip people to make these, make this Jesus culture thing happen? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, so there was an order of preachers in the, among the Dominican monks, this order of preachers were trained, not just in oration. They were trained in painting. They were trained in sculpting. They were trained in music. They were trained in, (laughs) They were trained in astronomy. Um, they were trained to be master craftsmen. And that word, my, the president of ACT talks about it all the time. The word master craftsman shows up in the Exodus. That's our word. That's the word for artists. Um, and those were the people that built the tabernacle. And those are also the first people that are kicked out anytime uh, there's a brain drain and like a Pol Pot or a Hitler situation. Plato kicked out the, the poets uh, in Greece, in, in revelation, that's the first part of the curse of Babylon is that all the craftsmen won't be there. The music won't be heard in there anymore. There won't be any more millers. Um, so we have to realize that we actually have to foster these people. We have to empower them to practice their craft. And then we have to actually give them the space to, for instance, as a writer, trust the story, not, not use it as a small group resource, not try to make it into some sermon. It's not a sermon. It's a story. It's not a, it's not a sermon. It's a song. It's not a sermon. It's a painting. And you've got to give them space to actually be experts at their craft so that they can, they can preach. St. Francis said, preach the gospel always. And when necessary, use words. We quote that all the time, all the time talking about, uh, like, you know, helping an old lady across the street. That is not what he meant. 
He was saying, I use every tool at my disposal to preach the gospel. Sometimes that means preaching. But even when he, like, for instance, preached to the birds, half the point of that was for his disciples to see him preaching to birds. That's what he meant by preach the gospel always and, and when necessary, use words. We have, we have got to just broaden our minds to where the preachers that we train, the worship leaders that we train, we train them to use much, many more tools than we are currently using, use them in places we are not using them, and be willing to get into beautiful, what Andrew Board calls beautiful trouble um, for the sake of spreading worship and, and, and the culture of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of quickly, as we as we finish sure. up, um, what would you what would you say to the artist who uh, maybe maybe sitting in a church uh, wanting to wanting to start expressing the 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 wonders of God and the story of the gospel and the and the majesty and everything that we that we experience, uh, maybe maybe having a hard time breaking into to the church culture there to be able to use that and. And they want it, but they still want to use yeah. it to to bring glory to God. And you said uh, said uh, shape the culture. You know, uh, it's one of the things we've talked about. You know, whoever whoever controls the arts controls the culture. And right now, at this point in time, uh, we're we're really losing that battle as as believers. You know, we have we have very little control. Although I think I think in the last eight to ten years, there's actually been a huge momentum shift in the other direction where we're starting to see a lot more well done well produced art that's for god's glory that's not just you know um you know cheesy coffee mug art you know it's it's actually legitimate and has substance to it uh but i i still think we're uh, we have a long way to go but it you know it reminds me have either of you guys seen trumbo no no but no. it's it's on my amazon prime uh watch yeah. list so yeah, you know, I'll get uh, to it eventually you know the the premise of the story you know the is that you know there were some uh some movie writers that, that they thought were communists. And so they were trying to manipulate the country to becoming, you know, uh, communists. And so they were controlling them, putting them on the blacklist and all that. And, and, uh, and the irony of it was as, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, well, this is, this is precisely what has taken place. Not, not communism, so to speak, but, but controlling the culture through the form of movies and had they threw, a lot of these art forms, the secular world has been able to take the culture in a direction that it wasn't going for a long time. And, and so, uh, how would you encourage, how would you speak to our artist friends who are listening to this podcast that, that maybe they're not breaking into their church, but, but God still has a plan for them to use their, their God given talents and arts and craftsmen abilities to, to go out and, and shine glory, take the, the gospel in subversively and be able to maybe make an impact for the kingdom in ways they weren't thinking. Yeah, I would actually, I would actually speak to three people. I would speak to the, I would speak to the artist. I would speak to the person who doesn't consider themselves an artist, and I, and then I would speak uh, to the just the citizen. Uh, for for the artist, you're not alone. Don't give up. Uh, church people don't understand you right now, but by staying in the church you are in, by staying put, the church is automatically different because you are there. So don't leave. Please don't leave. Because we need you to help usher in a new era of artistic ministry specialists. You are actually going to help us show the future of what ministry looks like. And if you leave, like that makes it harder for the next artist that's going to come along in your footsteps. So, so stay, stay put and feel encouraged that you can actually preach the gospel always with your, with your craft and when necessary use words. Um, 
to, to the person who's not an artist, there's a brilliant documentary. Um, I think it's called Herb, Herb and Dorothy, I believe. Is everyone, everyone in the church needs to watch this film. Uh, it's called Herb and Dorothy. It was made in 2008. It was about a, a, a postal worker uh, and, a, and a teacher. So two, two middle-class people um, who had like low income. And their names were Herb and Dorothy. And they just decided they were going to spend all of their expendable income on commissioning art. So there were nights that Jackson Pollock was going to hang up his paintbrush and hang up his spurs and go get a normal job. And Herb would call him up and say, what do you got for me, Jack? And Jack would be able to put food on the table. This is a guy whose paintings are hanging in the Museum of Modern Art. Mm. And a, a librarian called him up and decided to spend a couple thousand dollars on a small painting. Jackson Pollock could keep painting. So don't you, – you need to stop thinking that this is a thing for rich people. And start actually paying the artists in your church well. Going right, Redeemer Presbyterian here in town. When they have a jazz service, they hire the best concert pianists in town, and they pay a market rate. Mm-hmm. Now you might not have the amount of resources to do that, but you can hire the pianists who in your town who plays for the local regional theater for every time they do a musical. You can pay them well. You, you can. You have the capacity to do that. You're just deciding to spend your resources elsewhere. And if you invest in culture. It will change because it's exactly what the Catholic Church did. You know, the manual arts have preceded the fine arts. Sure, someone had to build the Sistine Chapel before Michelangelo could paint it. But the, the church paid for both. They paid for both. Um, and I think I think realizing that changes the mindset even of the citizen over time for, for how the city could become a place in, that you fall in love with. You know, not a lot of people realize the Statue of Liberty was one of the first modern crowdsourced pieces of art. People donated pennies and dimes to Joseph Pulitzer in envelopes just so they could have their name printed in the paper. And that, that statue's pedestal was funded by common people in New York City. Huh. Um, so it's not, it's not beyond reach. It's just beyond grasp. Hmm. Well, Lancelot, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we've run sure. out of time. But uh, for those who are, who are looking to find out more information, I would always encourage you to go to his website, and that is Lance Schaubert, S-C-H-A-U-B-E-R-T, dot org, and, uh, yeah. and go find out more information. And if you're around yeah. uh, his area, you said you're in Brooklyn, and uh, maybe, you know, Redeemer or any of those places, go check him out and go say hi. Go say hi on behalf of us at you know, you Worship Ministry Catalyst and just go pat him on the back and say keep up the good work. But Keep it up. Thank you so much for your time today. and. Uh, have a great, great, uh, great, not just a great day, but a great conference as you share with those young minds. Hey, well, there you have it. Showbear. Showbear. Lancelot Showbear. Showbear. Or you could say Schaubert. Yeah. Schaubert. Or like you said, the kids did Sherbert. Yeah. Sherbert. See, that's just mean. Yeah. That that's on yeah that's not nice. Did you ever get called any names? Like uh, were you ever? I was not a cool kid. I got called all kinds of names. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I feel like I know I got made fun of. I wasn't Mm -hmm. cool either. I was short. Mm -hmm. I was slow. I was weak. Uh, I was always the last kid picked. Yeah, yeah, for the game. But I'm trying to think if there was like an actual name that they called me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, was there actually a name that you know? I got called Christmas tree. Christmas tree. Yeah. Why? 
Because I wore uh, these cowboy boots and green pants and a red sweatshirt one day to school. Aww. And then they started calling me Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. Man, kids can be mean. Yep. Um, but no, I, I don't I don't have any distinct memories of like a specific name like, you know, Kevin Four Eyed Cruz or mm-hmm. anything like that. But got called fat, chubby. Aww. I got called slow and short. Or uh, I mean I was slow and short, so I I don't <laughs> um But most of all it was just being left out, you know. It yeah. just wasn't included in anything. That's the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know it's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, since we're talking about it, it has nothing to do with the uh, <laughs> nothing to do with the interview. But you no. know, Callie, my oldest, who's uh, almost ten now. I mean, she's you know, th- there's definitely some similarities. I mean, you know, both Melanie and I, growing up, you know, we were small, we were short, you know, uh, you know, kind of, kind of that on the fringes, you know, outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard because Callie is kind of that way as well. She's got a couple close friends, but, um, you know, like if they're gone or if they're not at recess, I mean, she'll often just kind of, you know, she'll tell us about how she just kind of, you know, walks around and wanders around and, you know, like it breaks your heart as a parent. It just kills you. Right. It's like you want to go to school and like just smack these kids upside the head. It's like, really? Or, or, you know, I want to go to school and play with her. I'm like, I'll play with you. Like, I love, I love hanging out. Talk to the teachers or the teachers. Like, can't you like help? I mean. Right. I mean, if if you're a teacher, can't you do something to help mingle the kids mingle so that the, the kids. clicks get yeah, broken up a little like bit? Yeah, it's kind of like when it's recess time, it's like, all right, you know, kids, you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Or like reward the kids after recess if they go and play with kids they don't normally play with. Yeah. There's, you know. And, and, you know, we, we've had some great conversations. Like, like it, ha- it hasn't been like a negative thing. I, at least I don't think. I don't know. Maybe 15 years from now, Callie, when she's like a young adult, she'd be like, you know, I was traumatized. But at, at least for the time being... It's been a positive thing. We talked a lot about, you know, how, um, you, you know, how to uh, include others in your world, mm-hmm. you know, how to uh, be a difference maker, how to be a leader. You know, and Callie's not naturally a leader. That, that's not naturally like her, you know, role. She's much more comfortable being a follower. So, you know, we've had great conversations centered around, mm-hmm. you know, okay, Callie, so if you're out there by yourself, what are some proactive things you right. can do? Um, you know the people in your class, you know the others outside of recess, uh, even if they aren't in your class because you've grown up with them, you know, and, and you know, just helping her kind of walk through what what can you say, what can you do, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, I can brag on my, my oldest, Hannah, a little bit because she, uh, one of the things that we, she's, the, they're homeschooled now, so this doesn't really happen anymore, but when she was in school, she just kind of had the natural desire to go and she would just kind of come alongside some of those, you know, special yeah. needs kids in the class oh, that's and, cool. and make friends with those who didn't have friends. And so she was just kind of, yeah. you know, always looking for those who were left out and that kind of thing. So it's, it's cool to see that in your kid. But uh-huh. anyway, back to our, uh, yeah, the, the interview interview, that's, you know, uh, another kind of reiteration of, of, I think the significance of what we've been trying to talk about for years now on the podcast, which is, you know, arts, you know, and God created us to be creative. And, uh, I, I did like that idea he mentioned from C.S. Lewis about, uh, you know, yeah. smuggling the gospel. Smuggling the gospel in like yeah. Trojan horse style, yeah. man. Like yeah. drop it into a literature, drop it into a painting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of potential for us as artists in, in that realm. You know, we, we kind of restrict ourselves to the church and I think we need to get outside that thinking. Yeah. And I really appreciate it at the end when he was talking about, 
you know, he's like, well, let me speak to the three people, you know, the artists, the people in the church, and then the, you know, the, the public or, um, but I really appreciated him saying, you know, if you are an artist, like don't leave the church, right, the yeah. church needs you. I appreciated that too. And I thought that was a really cool thing. Because that's a tendency, right? Right. It's yeah. like, well, you know, they don't appreciate me. Like, you know, they, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not needed here or I don't fit in here. I don't belong here. And so I'll kind of just fizzle out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we've talked at length about, you know, millennials that, you know, kind of leave the church and and all that stuff. Um, But I think there is a very real sense where artists, you know, see this and they leave. But we need them. Like, those are the people we need. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about this lately, you know, know, because you will have people leave church from time to time. And. And and it really kind of boils down to this idea of, you know, I want it my way, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if you're if you're an artist in a small church and you're maybe the only artist, you know, the only, you know, painter or sculptor or whatever, you know, craftsman that, that it is, then there's the tendency of, well, if they're not going to appreciate me here, I'm going to go somewhere where they will, you know? And okay. it's just kind of this, I mean, a, a kind of an ulterior selfish agenda. It's like, I want it my way, and if it's not going to be my way here, I'm going to go somewhere where it is my way. And I just, you know, I, I, I don't see that, you know, clicking with scripture and, mm, and yeah. this idea that, that, you know, we can, we can kind of just hop around to a church until we find And this applies to us as musicians and worship leaders and worship pastors, worship team members too. It's like, we think we can just kind of hop around till we get what we want out of life. And I did that myself, right? I mean, I did that in my own, my own ministry career. And you're the opposite of that. You're the one that should be <laughs> speaking to this because you've been faithful for so long at, at your church. But it's like God calls you somewhere, then you're, then you're a member of that community. He has you there for a reason. And when it gets hard, that doesn't mean it's time to quit. It means probably it's time to dig in a little bit, bit better, yeah. better and and grow through that and, and actually become a better human being as a result of going through what you're going through. Good words. So anyway, it's hard now that I'm a pastor and a preacher to not preach from time to time. I know you'd be preaching, man. (laughs) You you start uh, preaching it. That's great. Anyway, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode. A little bit long for today, but uh, some good stuff in there. So anyway, you can find us online, worshipministrycatalyst.com, twitter.com slash wmcatalyst, facebook.com slash worshipministrycatalyst. And you can send an email to me, uh, not me, uh, Kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Yeah. I've done, I did that before. I remember like two episodes ago I did that. I'm like, send it to me at, no, Kevin <laughs> at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we love the, you know, the reviews and all that stuff on iTunes helps people find the word. And send a text in. Yeah, like David. That's fun. Like David Chase. Yeah. Thank you for the shout Until nice. next time, have a great day. Bye-bye. Twitter.com slash WM Catalyst. Facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst.